Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton. Eric Seepin, my buddy, is here with me, and we just recorded a, a podcast for you all. We hope you enjoy it. This is our 32nd podcast. 32nd podcast. So welcome. And uh, we're talking about evangelism, um, defending the faith comes up, but really it's, uh, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm just worrying, like considering, not worried, but 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 pressing on some stuff. Uh, Eric's... Gets on his soapbox a little bit. Yeah. He may have monopolized some. Yeah. Eric's peeved. He doesn't want to meet me again next week. We're, so we're don't you want to hear about it? Go go listen to the yeah, podcast. And yeah. Enjoy. And uh, we're just going to say, um, yeah, maybe also about worship music since that's, you know, the most listened to podcast ever. And that's so the we're just going to say worship music about. every single week so that we can that's get more podcasts. Yeah, whether it is or not. Yeah, yeah. We'll just be we'll just be uh, disingenuous. Yeah, just kind of what we're all about. Yeah, it's about our sponsors. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Faith Over Breakfast is Eric Seepin from the Village Church, and I'm sitting with Andy Littleton, who just started his breakfast, and this is Faith Over Breakfast, and we are at the top of EXO in their little loft. Uh, nobody else really gets to do this but us, because Andy's awesome, and he can work these things out. Uh, Meaning I just said, hey, um, can we use your loft for podcast? Well, exactly. As I said, he's awesome and opens his mouth, so mm-hmm. it's really cool. Anyway... What are you eating, Andy? Uh, this is the savory sandwich. Uh, As usual. Exo. And uh, Exo is a coffee shop in Tucson, Arizona, where it's normally hot and sunny, but today it's uh, cool and uh, and overcast, and so up in the loft, it's like dark. Yeah, I feel like I was in, in Seattle for just one second as I was paying for parking, and yeah. it's overcast. And it was Seattle a lot of last week. It was. Well. So, and Seattle... Is where you you know your heart is. I think yes. You you believe you're in Seattle, whether you all the not. time. Yeah, okay. I try. Yeah, that's cool. The music is better. The, there's no sun. Mm. Actually, the last time I went to Seattle, I thought I can never live here. It's cold. It is cold. <laughs> and well, I'm colder and damp and wet. Mm-hmm. I think it's the only a place I like to vacation. Yeah. Do you wear your bandana in Seattle uh, to keep the the clouds off your face? Uh, I, I do wear my bandana in Seattle sometimes, but my hair is gets so frizzy there that I just basically have a gigantic afro. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it also doesn't work for my hair very well. That's another good reason that you should live in Seattle. Yeah, to have a big afro? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Have a giant afro? Yeah. Anyway, well, and um, actually, because last time we talked about the life of the pastor and I was oh, going on and on about how you know unique we are and how we're just... You know, we're just everyday people. Right. Well, we're everyday people, but we're unique, and we're pastors. But 
you know, you wear your bandanas and we have other sides to us. Yeah, you wear flip flops and sweats. Yeah, and I'm wearing I'm I'm in a pretty rad outfit this <laughs> you morning. You are in a pretty rad wearing, outfit. Wearing uh the, the Burks with socks. Yeah, the Burks with socks. And then um some like mid nineties uh, Air Jordan uh workout pants. Yeah. And then and they are lined in baby blue. Yes. And then I'm wearing a navy blue and red Arizona Wildcat sweatshirt. And then kind of a flat blue, like a it's like without any sheen hat from yeah. seventeen oh two pizza. So all my I have all different shades of blue. I'm just super I was it was great because I walked in and I thought this is the exact outfit nobody's wearing at EXO right now. That's right. Well it is kind of an Arizona outfit, but it's also is kind it? of a little NASCAR. A little mask. Well, I mean, you're, you're advertising everything. Mm, mm, <laughs> Jordan, mm. U of A, 1702. Whatever. I just came from playing basketball. Birkenstocks. Where have you been on the basketball front? Well, you knocked me down and I threw my back out. Oh, is that how it worked? And I decided not to come. Oh. Actually, it was, it was also hurting my knees that I, I need to lose some more weight, everybody out there, before I come landing down on them. Besides, you know, I, I dribble in, I jump, and I used to be able to jump over you probably, but now I just can't jump. Now you're way taller than me, but and, I, and my vertical's about two inches. Yeah, so so mine's like one. Yeah, so. Mike's is a lot more than both of us. Yeah, he's younger. Yeah, Mike's our buddy. I, I faked him out on a three-point, and this has happened a number of times. Like, I pump-faked, and I was like, hey, I got this, and then he's back blocking me before I can shoot. Yeah. Like, what? Get out of here. Leave me alone. So anyway, I may come back. I'd much rather play a, a half court basketball game. Yeah. Than playing twenty one over and over and over again. Yeah, you don't like that? Yeah, not really. Okay. Well you we gotta bring more people. Especially with the guys who can shoot three pointers all day and it's just like ah whatever. I bring more people, man. Well, how about you bringing more people? I'm trying. Okay. I thought I brought you, and then you quit coming. <laughs> sort of like church, huh? It's like church. <laughs> it's exactly like church. Gosh, no kidding. Oh, wow. my gosh. Let's just quit the podcast now. We should that quit the podcast. Man. Um, okay, well. So here's, here's what I want to talk about today, because had some experiences the last couple weeks, which shouldn't be all that out of the norm, but but honestly, you know, sometimes you see a little more of it than other times, but these are big topics in, I mean, I would say in any religion is like sharing your faith, like talking sure. to other people about about the, the beliefs, evangelism, right. um, all the terms we might have for that, and then... Um, and then defending the faith. You know, when people say, what's up with this? Yeah, you uh, you uh, texted me, defending the faith. And then I was like, what? The faith needs defending? <laughs> well, well, what? Okay. As, <laughs> as you know, as you know, <laughs> these are terms that people use. Okay. I don't, I, it was funny even typing that because I don't go around defending the faith. Talking to people at church about, hey, defend the faith. Hmm. Um, I don't. I, like, I mean, I, I do. Um, you know, in preaching and just in conversation, there will be a lot of discussions about whether or not this is reasonable and sure. Um, you know, whether it it makes sense or is relevant, and that to me is would come under the 
the heading, if you wanted to, of defending the faith. It just sounds very defensive to say that. Yeah. Doesn't it? It just sounds yeah. like, oh, you're no. being defensive right now. Defensive. Oh, why are you, why are you so defensive? Well, faith, then, what if the faith just defends itself? Yeah. What yeah. if it does? But, but aren't you going to... Defend it? Aren't you going to participate in that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, well, so I was asked to, okay? So that's where... You were asked to defend the faith publicly? Somebody, well, so, no. Somebody asked me, like, to explain things. And oh, well, that's, so that's where this is You felt like that was more like defending the faith? Explaining well, things? Well, yeah. Oh, Somebody okay. was like, make sense of this for me. Oh, okay. And so, you know, it, I don't know if that always is how people view it. But I kind of thought, you know, honestly, I was like, if we title this about sharing your faith and defending the faith, people might either be like, that's offensive. I want to hear what these idiots had to say. Or they might say, oh, yeah apologetics that's the big word for defending the faith and evangelism i want to listen to this and i assume that we both do some form of that but maybe a little different but anyway i wanted to talk about my experiences yeah talk, how, tell me about your experiences okay number one okay i don't really want to know no, uh, just keep going i'm hungry i'm gonna keep my sandwich <laughs> so let's keep going mm, this coffee's great <laughs> What a cliffhanger, huh? Yeah. Leave that, that silence right, right there. Yeah, my Cortado's good. It is. First sip I've had. Thanks, XO. Thanks again. Anyway, my first experience. My old pastor is, um, he is an evangelism guy. Explosion. Evangelism explosion, which yes. is a, an old uh, older curriculum. Um, yes. that, and the church where it was birthed is one of the churches where he worked. So it's yes. a big part of his life. And, and legend has it that he's led over 100 people to Christ. This by week? himself. This week. This week, yes. Well, it's gotten bigger and bigger as, as things have gone by. Right. Well, and so, no, I mean, I know this guy. And, and so I just want to go out there and say, like, I have been a critic in my, like, in, in many respects. I've done Evangelism Explosion. I've done this because I've worked at this church. Um, and I've gone back and forth because there have been times where I've been been a critic. And I've said, like, I don't think this is good. And then there are other times where I've... You know, like, used some of the suggested things that you might say that they teach you, and it's been really helpful to somebody. And then that always kind of, in my heart, makes me go, okay, maybe I'm not as smarty pants as I think because I go around building relationships and these conversations don't come up. And then the minute I start, you know, spouting off some of the stuff I learned, people are actually interested, believe it or not. So I have been back and forth on this. Um, and so, but every time you go to lunch with my buddy, my old pastor, he will um, share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with the waitress every single time. And so he, the, the thing you like about him is he doesn't teach the class. He actually does do this. And that's respectable to me. I, it's always a little bit uncomfortable, but then he le- does legitimately, a lot of people come to believe in Jesus because of him. Like, no doubt. I would say over... I, I don't think it's 100. I think it's more. I, and I, and I, I actually think it happens. And sometimes I go, do these people really follow up? I don't know. But I know a bunch of them who... He came to their house after they visited church or he visited them somewhere, told them about Jesus, and they know Jesus today. So, we pick them apart. You know, but anyway, this is where I'm, I'm at. Is like, I don't do what he does. I don't share the gospel with the waitress every time. But I went out to lunch with him, and he's going for it. And he, he's like, all right, got a couple questions for her. She's this young, millennial, cool waitress. And I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't going to go so well. 
guess what? She was interested in the conversation. At the end of it, she thanked us because she said everybody else is just asking me for food and drinks and just keeping it all professional, and this was actually really interesting. Um, she didn't agree. Um, I thought he hit like he didn't answer some of the deeper questions or get behind some of the bigger questions she had, but I gave it a shot to try to help with that. And but the truth is, he initiated the whole conversation. I did not, um, and it was actually great. So there was uh, that was number one, and I think that sort of flies in the face of my own theories on how people would be told about Jesus these days, because the pendulum has swung for most of us. I assume it might, even this conversation right now, you're like, I don't want to talk about this because I disagree with this. I don't know. My, I'm, then, I'm listening, man. I just keep going. You're listening. I'm right? listening. I don't know. I'm waiting for you to jump in and just say, stop. No, no um, I mean. And then... Uh, well, let's let's start there, and then I'll give you the defending the faith. No, no, I want to hear both stories. No, Tell me both stories. No, 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 one at a time. All right, one at a time. You win. <laughs> See, you're already becoming assertive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so assertive. Um, well, I just don't want to forget. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to forget details and get it all. All right. I want to make sure we unpack so, this. Yeah, that, that you were uncomfortable at first. That's not your mode of of offering the gospel. No. But then truth be told, I don't offer the gospel in detail nearly as much as my friend. Right. So, there you go. Okay. Well, I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I think a couple of things. And I, I don't know if I told the story on the podcast or not, but when I go to the store mm-hmm. with my daughter and I want to get something, I, I know I told the sto- story on the podcast, I want to go look around. I want to investigate. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of know the lay of the land. And then if I can't find what I need, I want to go ask. Mm-hmm. Where my daughter is someone who walks in, knows what she wants, doesn't care what the lay of the land is, mm-hmm. goes directly to whoever she needs to go to, and asks exactly where it is. So yeah. much so that she's... And she's done that so much so. And she wears khaki and red, and we go to Target a lot, mm. that she gets asked where things are, and she just tells people because she knows, because she's asked a lot. She should get a name tag. Yeah, she should just get the name tag. But that's her personality. She also, though she is, you know, I don't even know what you call her, a post-millennial, I don't know, she's only 16, Yeah, has certainly been more assertive about the gospel in a very different way than I was in high school. Even though I think probably being somebody that I had more familiarity with the Bible. So all I say that I say all that because there's a personality partly it's a personality type. Mm-hmm. It's a way of yeah. and gifting. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the capacity to insert oneself quickly into that is not given to all of us. Some of, of us don't not. have those talents. That's what so therein lies why I have trouble with evangelism explosion and others like that is not that I think they're bad I just don't think they're universal oh sure I think they fit and that the gifting that this pastor whom we both know uh, mm-hmm. and has had involvement with our family for a long, mm-hmm. families for a long time um, that's his gifting that's yeah. who he, he he'll is. jump right in and he should challenge that should challenge us but on the other hand I approach the gospel and the understanding of the gospel and the way I communicate it in a different way and hopefully that would challenge him to think through things too like I think it's so I yeah. don't I don't have any 
I do think things are changing to what we've seen culturally. If we and I think you and I just come from a more social analyzing like groups and people and how the church is operated, not on the individual case study, but as an overall trajectory. And what we found is that less and less people are showing up. Right. Like there's a big gap on the under thirty as the people coming to church or under forty even. And the other issue is is that nobody has any depth inside the churches in the, in the sense of there isn't, you know, Willow Creek had to come out and say, we did a horrific job yep. discipling people and there's no community in our church. Nobody's connected to one another. So if you walk into a kingdom that has no family and no way of really practicing the gospel. Yeah. And so, that is, like, that has been my part of my critique over the years is that we we want to go and just tell people about Jesus and then but what are we inviting them into you know like because sure. we would go out and try to meet some folks and, um, but it always felt like that was a little disconnected from actual life I would be like I don't do this every day the great the thing about our friend who I'm talking about is that he does do it actually so I I respect him in that that he's not doing something if he's like teaching somebody that he does not do in his daily life and I think that's great um, so but anyway I would I would always be like so we're going to invite him into the church and then are, are, is there a family here is there a connection point yeah. now I think in our churches there would be yes so so then so then I guess like the, and then the other thing would be that there were a lot of assumptions a lot of those programs, you know, make that I think you have to understand that, you know, like when you're saying, well, the Bible says this, you know, back when that program was designed, by and large, that was a fine statement. And people would go, oh, wow, I want to take that seriously. Today, right. most, a lot of the people I interact with, <clears throat> it doesn't really, they're going, and, like, the Bible says, the Bible is one of many religious books that I don't really find valid. So, well, I, what does that matter? So I feel like things like the Bible says and just using, just saying like, I'm a sinner. I don't think people have a category. They don't necessarily understand what that word means. They might kind of understand it, but not really. But, um, and so, so I, that's, those are some of my problems. And that stuff did come out in that discussion where I felt like statements are being made that, there's an assumption that this lady knows what that means, right. and or she probably knows kind of what it means, but but there's a whole lot of background we're not giving that's making this kind of nonsensical. Right. But <clears throat> the critique I felt on myself was we are in churches where people aren't showing up, and here's my old buddy going out into the restaurant just talking it up, and it's like, yeah, in a time when people aren't showing up, we're going to have to be talking more freely to some degree. Right. Um, and, and that was something I, I kind of walked away going, I need to revisit this question in my mind of, of sharing what I believe in um, and what I believe, not, not just what I believe in, that sounds so weak, sharing like what we believe to be the hope for the world. Right. Like, I need to talk about it more. I agree. Because it fits the hope for the world. Great. You know? I mean, I think the other, the other issue is, though, and this is where those... 
evangelism explosion, four spiritual laws, all those yeah. kinds of things. The thing that they are arguing on is that all that they're saying is reasonable to believe. No, right. right. Yeah, I agree. Well, with here's you. the thing: yeah. Kant said that you that there are many systems that we can say like are reasonable sure. to believe. That doesn't make them true. Reasonability does not make right. anything true. And I right. think that our culture has begun to say, well, yeah. Christians present a very reasonable, very logical, very internally coherent argument, but that doesn't make it true. Sure. And the only thing, you know, that's gonna, you know, when you look at church, like, movements, usually there are two things, and they aren't evangelism explosion. There are a group of people who pray. Right. Right? And then there is a movement of the Holy Spirit. So there are signs and wonders of some sort happening. Those are usually when... Really, when churches transform, if you begin to look at the core of what's happening within a community. And the first sign at the village was your bandana. Yeah, and that was the first <laughs> sign. Well, and, and I think, you know, God hands out talents. So when we approach yeah. our church, we also have to ask, is this church, you know, is this church a one-talent church? Is this a, you know, a five-talent church, a ten-talent? And how do we reproduce those in a way that's honorable to God? So, yeah, we got to, being missional, having a missiology within our community, meaning we're sent to people. Yeah. And if that's not part of the identity in a strong way, then... So, and I'm not talking about, like... I mean, actually, I, it depends on... I think there is something to having the discussion personally about, like, the in, in like, the consistency of, like, of the Christian message of the scriptures. Because I, I think a, something that a lot of folks I'm running into assume is that their worldview is more consistent than any other. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a discussion that's worth having. Like, do your basic assumptions really work out to the, to the things that you believe? Um, cause then maybe it's, maybe that's worth considering. Um, I don't know. I, there are circles in which I think that that whole conversation could go somewhere. Oh no, I don't. I don't. In fact, I think it's probably the Christian's role, in a prophetic sense, to point out not so much here's my gospel, here's the gospel of Jesus, and though that needs to be presented, right. is how inconsistent and out of control you are within yes. your beliefs. I think that's now the role, and let's right. just all be honest right. that things are really a crapshoot right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and so what, I guess, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I guess what I'm just getting at is, so, so in here, just in your, in your experience, what in the last, in the last 15 years of the village, you know, what have you learned? How have you changed? Um, how does how does the message go out from the from the village in your context, and how how does that change, and how do you think that through? Well, I think there. I don't think a lot has changed. I mean, we go through seasons of it, but I mean, we started with one idea, and that is that we live in a pluralistic society, so we can no longer demand that the gospel story is the primary story, right. but that we actually have to trust the Holy Spirit and proclaim the story. But it has to be our story with Jesus, not a disembodied set of laws. Like, it has yeah. to be, this is how Jesus has transformed me. Come be part of my community and find out about Jesus. Come be part of my life and find out about Jesus. So that's kind of where we, our mode was. And then... The so it's the, it's like the, 
I mean, I, I guess in the church growth circles, they would say like invest and invite, get to know people and bring them into the community. And there our yeah. our leaders will be talking about this or you will experience it. No, I'm talking about in the community. No, invest and invite into your own life, not into, into church. church. Church is a byproduct of you. And so people would come into that. But no, in your own home, more a mission of hospitality than a mission Welcome yeah. you into MySpace. Yeah. Um, and MySpace also includes my community space. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's that. And the other thing is that we do very practically and we have done for years is that we, as a community, continually have our church, you know, every, it probably happens every year, every other year, where we will have a meeting or in smaller meetings where we make our communities sit down and write 10 people down and then we begin this process of praying and watching for what Jesus is doing in their life and then really trying to join him in it. So I think some ways, I would say our evangelism method is, what is Jesus doing? How do I join him in that, in this person's life? So if it's, they need, you know, 50 bucks, not, and some prayer, not me to sit down and lay out how Jesus is going to transform them right away, so do you, do you think with that emphasis, I would say we we're, we land in a similar boat. But I guess what I'm I'm wrestling with is, do you think with how we lead and we emphasize that, like a previous generation would have said, tell them about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like, do not neglect to tell them about Jesus and tell them about the cross and mm-hmm. tell them about how that impacts them. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like we, our churches have swung to like, let's pray, let's invest, let's look at what God is doing in their lives. Like perhaps that's going to be just getting involved, going to the barbecue, just being with them. Um, Do you think that we have neglected the specific speaking to people, even if we don't know them that well, about Jesus? Uh, Well, I would say... No, I don't know about your church, but I'd say no, because the other element that we have at the village is that we really believe in supporting the people who have the evangelistic gifts in our community, and so really getting around them to support them as they proclaim the gospel and enfold those people. Yeah. Um, So, you know, my wife over the years has led two or three people to Christ, and so we surround those people, and she doesn't always have to have the primary discipleship role in their life. Yeah. Or there's another young woman, well, she was young. She's now my age, or so Ooh, I guess she's, she's not young anymore. But, wow, uh, your age. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm old. Not really, but no, yeah. anyway, she has this capacity to like just say a few words to people mm-hmm. and make them think about God, and she's very blunt about Jesus. But she's not in a place, and never has been, where she's going to spend a long time discipling men. Right. You know, she she's just going to call me and say, "Hey, can you have them over to your house now, or can we hook those people up?" So I think our job is to support the ones who are gifted. But that yeah. doesn't mean you and I shouldn't talk about Jesus. It's just that, you know, when you are they have the gift of helps, you're probably going to bring the gospel around the back door. When you, you have the gift of evangelism, you might go through the front door. And if we're supporting each other, it's fine. I just, I guess what I'm saying, I agree with you on all that, that, that people have different strengths. Um, and but you're saying do we shy away from... I don't think... Well, I mean, because it's like if we only... If we're talking about all the backdoor stuff... I'm saying, like, in the past, people were encouraging the front door. They were encouraging the evangelism. 
today I think a lot of churches are encouraging more the the like the helps and the and, and this sort of stuff and like I just wonder if we're neglecting to to encourage those with the evangelism uh, piece that, that want to proclaim Christ or who should but are afraid well I don't know I mean if you that's that's a hard one because when I listen to all the leadership podcasts that I do listen to, what are they promoting? I mean, they're promoting I don't know. I this don't whole process of proclaiming the gospel okay. within the context of the bigger church. Like, big church is the big movement of evangelism right now. And, you know, how to grow it, how to reach out to people who don't know Christ, how to do that. I mean, but a know. lot of, even a lot of that in the big church world, which I, I, I really haven't been listening to that lately, honestly. But a lot of that, I feel like it's it's like meet people, bring them to church. Like it's like True. get get like hey, have them over to a barbecue. I mean, I read a thing recently that was like here's how it could work. You know, you meet somebody playing, um, you know, at the gym, and they express having a rough day, and you invite them to a barbecue, and you're not even at the barbecue, and your friend offhand says something about Jesus, and they say, "Tell me more," and they come to Jesus. That's how it works. Like, yeah, might maybe. I mean, but I think I, and that was kind of from like bigger church world, but even there I feel like, and then you show up to church and they're going, Hey, five steps to a better marriage, you know, and people, and they're like, they're going to be intrigued by that because they want to be, have a better life. And then someday they'll get plugged in deeply and the gospel will click. And maybe it does. Well, and I guess like for me, I don't know, like for me, I don't know where your church is, but for mine is like, it is a church for people who don't fit in the normal church. Ours in many ways is too. So, like, I have a friend, a close friend of the village, uh, who has met with a guy who I now know yeah. pretty well for over the last 10 years of our church, 15 years of our church. Every single meeting they talk about God, every single meeting there's an expression, you know, the gospel's laid out in some form or another. He hasn't followed Jesus. He's pretty clear he doesn't right. want to follow Jesus, but he loves this guy and he wants to be part of his life and he comes yeah. and does things around in the church. And I, at least when I was in the church, in the mainstream church, people would have told me to give up on him and move on to the next person. Yeah. Right? And like, I, I know that kind of junk happened, but like, I'm not saying we do all that. I'm just saying, like, look, I are just, we neglecting no, I don't the, think, the I don't speaking think so. of the gospel? You, know? you think so. No, I'm, I'm wondering. I, I I'm don't wrestling so. with that. I think we have to continue to remind our community <laughs> to be in that place. Yeah. Yeah. I think the gospel is so that if you tried to, I don't know, like I have a problem with evangelism. What gospel are you selling then? I don't, what, what gospel is the four spiritual laws, really? It's, it's a gospel of works at some level. Yeah. You know? So so with that because you want you don't want to sell the wrong gospel. So I guess that still comes back to what I'm saying is like are we articulating what a gospel of grace is and then encouraging are we really like when's the last time in our churches we encouraged people to share a gospel of grace? Like like hey go tell people tell people about it. Um I don't know. I, I'm I'm wrestling with that because I don't know that I want. I'm wondering if I've de-emphasized it too much. That's possible. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've only, like I said, I'm not in your church. I've only well, listened no, to like, three or four of your sermons, so I can't say it. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like unpack this a little bit, and, and I know. So I'm getting the, I'm getting the sense that you're like, I don't think so. I don't think we're de-emphasizing this at the village. I'm wrestling with. I don't even think you're de-emphasizing it at Mission Church. Yeah. I think you're embodying the gospel. I hope so. Yeah. Well, and so that actually leads to my that leads to my second story. Okay. Right so um, we got a guy who's working on our church building. Who uh, he's been hanging out. He's been working on the building, and apparently, so he's he's studying English at the university. Okay. Like he has a second language. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he's a Spanish speaker. He's working on his English, um, and apparently he's living with a Christian guy, and his familiarity with Christianity back home in Mexico, he does not have a good association with it. So we were anyway. We were standing outside the building, kind of getting ready for him to start, and he says, "Look." Um, in my hometown, Christians are like, blah, 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 don't do this, you know, no, 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 just all the time. And he's and he says, and then you guys had all your church people over, and one of them had tattoos, you know. And I winked at him, and I said, that's our other pastor. And he says, really? You know. Said, yeah. And he says, so... In my hometown, no tattoos, no terrible, bad, bad things, you know. And and then he says, I'm living with a Christian here. And he says, I'm drinking a rock star energy drink. And he tells me, oh, no, 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 that's no good. God doesn't want you to put these things in your body. Your body's a temple or something, you know. And he's like, oh, no, everybody, no, no, no. And he says, so he he's like, that feels like what I'm used to what Christians do back home mm-hmm. and but then he he said are you guys like that I mean you've got somebody has tattoos are you like that or is there something different so he's what I'm deducing from this is he's saying I had an experience with you all the other day mm-hmm. nobody told me not to do anything and it seems like you guys do a couple things that some other churches say you can't do basically that's what I gathered. Um, and so he, he says, what's the difference between the different types of churches and why is there a difference between them? Right? So he's asking us. And he says, I don't, I don't really believe in any, any of that, but just curious. So, so I, you know, the one thing I shared, I said, well, there's a lot to that. And we're, we have a language barrier here, so it's different. Right. So I'm trying to keep it trying to really avoid words like talents that you know you have to have a christian background to get yeah that that doesn't just mean you're good at juggling right and i'm trying to avoid no anyway so i just said well jesus one time um was asked about different foods and drinks that you might eat or drink like your rock star and if they were okay or the wrong and who was allowed to do what. And Jesus said, it's not what goes in your mouth, it's what comes out. 
And I said, because what come, goes in your mouth, you just go to the bathroom. And it comes right out. But what comes out of your mouth is coming from your heart. So, you know, if you want to be, if you want to understand what's going to make you right with God, you need to consider your heart, what's coming out. So then he goes, the guy I live with, he says mean things. He's not, (laughs) I said, okay. So he doesn't drink rock stars, but he's unkind. Yes. Okay. I said, according to Jesus, that's not a good sign. Um, but then I said, now, here's the trouble. Sometimes bad stuff comes out of me. And then he says, oh, yeah, we're all effing messed up. And I said, bingo. I was thinking, oh, maybe that's the new tagline for Mission Church, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Church, we're all effing messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but this this guy just, just grasped the doctrine of total depravity. Mm-hmm. He, well, he already knew it. And, and I said, yes. I said, so the only way what, what comes out of our heart doesn't mean that we can't be with God is if God forgives us of what comes out of our heart. And then I said, if you, if you know that God forgives what comes out of your heart, if you really know that, then you're not going to want to see that stuff come out of your heart anymore. You're going to want to follow Jesus. So here's how you know if somebody wants to follow Jesus. If they, if they begin to lay down the things that come out of their heart and listen to God and, the, and other people that love them and they begin to change, that's a sign that they believe in the forgiveness. Okay. So, I don't know. You know, I don't know if any, any of that stuck or any of it was helpful or whatever. But it, it was, to me, I thought, this was an invitation to, to explain the faith and in a way to to defend it because by defending, it's like, look, I see this version of faith that doesn't make any sense over here. What's, what is the faith? What is it? it? Is it that or is it something else? So that was just an interesting experience and that made me just again go, man, so many people have to be asking these questions. But I love that the question came out of an interaction with our community. Right. Which I do. I, I'm not, I don't disagree with you on as much as you might think. I'm just trying to push, sure. push on this a little. So anyway, that was, uh, that was my experience there. How much, how much of that kind of interaction have you encountered just because of who the people in your church are and what... Give me as people just interact with the church, I mean, like just in last week, ways. a young woman came up to me who's newer uh, and said, "You know, we, I don't know what we were talking about, but it resonated to her." And she's like, "Oh, yeah, like that that girl over there who's in the wheelchair. Like she told me that like when she first came here, she went up to you and said, i 'I'm an atheist,' and you said that's fine. Yeah, and and so I just feel like I'm." Like, it's okay to be here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and wrestle with stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So I think, here's the thing. Like, Bowling Alone, I don't know if you've read the book, but every church planner should read the book. Nope. It's by Putman. It's a very famous book. It does all the sociology on how people have left 
groups, right? Yeah. So there's no more real bowling groups. There's like the amount of like social engagement and, and collections of people that get together to do something around some hobby has just reduced yeah. significantly. And so much so that in like the early 90s, in major cities, businesses were being started where young women would get paid, you know, a large amount of money just to go have dinner with men, not as escorts, yeah, you know, or to just sit and chat with them or to give them a hug at the end and say it was nice to like giving to some physical contact. Right? We've so we've become such isolated people that I think the church, if it's at any form loving, because you know, Jesus yeah. he gives us the command to go, but he tells us how we will be yeah. known, and that yeah. is by the way, not how we love the world but literally how we one love another. one another. Yep. So if you walk into a community that has true grace and is truly loving one another, not on the surface of, hey, how you doing? Oh, you, you just had a baby. Let's all get you stuff. Not that yeah. kind of love. That's a small thing. Because the world actually does that better than we do a lot oh, of times. Yeah. But when, you know, life is you know crapping on you and there are people sitting with you, when, when the agony of things, because your teenager is off doing what they shouldn't be doing, yeah. And people are walking with you and fighting for that and caring for you and not rejecting you when you screwed up and your marriage is falling apart. Like, that's what people, that's what converts people. That's what people say, oh, this is different. This is not, like, these people are not just normal, everyday people. They're people who are changed by something. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I think we have to, I don't think it's to invite people into the church, but but the church isn't separate from your everyday life right. and I think that's the thing that I grew up in in the church was that you go to church on Sunday and then you live your life Right. what I've tried so hard over the last 18 years is to have my church be everything around me. Yeah. there's a party and you invite your workmates and your church you know yeah. they come too everybody comes like there's this, this constant you know co-mingling and hopefully there's the gospels being said not just demonstrated yeah and yeah I, I think you gotta some of us have immense gifts to go sit down and ask the uh, waitress about God. And, and But my experience people have the gift of evangelism is they don't need to even present the gospel very accurately. Yeah. They just walk in a room, you know. I don't know if you... I had some friends. I don't know if you know who Chris Say is. No. He's the pastor of Ecclesia and you know, it's a huge church in Dallas or whatever. Well, I knew him when he wasn't. And I had some friends who said, like, well, when he shows up, like... It, they're like, well, if I show up, <clears throat> I say, oh, you know, so-and-so's preaching, you know, maybe two people will come see me. Yeah. You could go to a, you know, a corner and say, Chris Say is going to show up here next week. It would get passed around. There'd be like 500 people sitting there just to hear what he had to say. And people come to Christ around him. Yeah. He's gifted in evangelism. God's put that on him. It's not like, so yeah, we have to be faithful to the gospel, but really we got to get ourselves positioned around people who good at it and say no you go do this we're going to walk aside pray for everybody grab those people disciple them learn from how you're doing it do you think there's anybody that we don't view as gifted in evangelism who would be better at it like have we defined gifted in evangelism well i don't know like the people in our church who are gifted at it don't believe they're gifted at it well right because you're talking about a guy who ended up being a megachurch pastor because he's so eloquent 
God, I don't even know if he's eloquent, though. I've heard him preach. So it's just... <laughs> it's, it's something just, about him that people just... just people are know, just drawn. They're just drawn to who he is. Yeah. Well, and this particular pastor that you opened it up with, I mean, I know him. There's a particular... There's something about him when you walk in the room that you're drawn... You want to know what he thinks. You want to know what he's going to say. Yeah. And he can pull that out of people who don't know him. I yeah. mean, I suppose if you, like you, who've worked with him after a while, the sheen probably goes off, but sure. not to other people. I don't think they... <laughs> the sheen. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. I think we've... We have churches, like the church has become about itself, but I don't think it's become about discipleship, because if you're really about discipleship, people are constantly being forced out. Yeah. Because the disciples go. They don't stay. So a disciple is like, no, this this thing, this community I'm in where we worship Jesus, you should be in it, and you should know about Jesus. Yeah. Like, that, that is a true disciple. Yeah. And not just like, here, you need to assent. Like, the practice will change your life. Yeah. The relationship will change your life with his people. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's not just the... I mean, that, and that was one of my hang-ups before. It was like, it's not just the knowledge. It's not just checking out, oh, yeah, I believe that thing and that thing. Of course not. Um, it's that just completely coupled with like the yeah the experiential piece of being in a community where people are walking with each other and that's going to be a big mess and it's not going to be easy yet. yeah um, well in my experiences too like if you're truly going to disciple people and they walk into your community people are really messy you know oh, yeah. you're, and, and I think probably that's what's changed it's like, I've noticed in our church, if one person's life is transformed, that could take 30, 40% of my church's energy right. for a year. Yeah. Just walking alongside of them. Yeah. As a collective. Because it's it's messy. It's not just like, oh yeah, we all have good jobs and three kids and yeah. we just didn't yeah. believe the right things and now we realize we... It's, it's messy. Oh yeah. Well, and then, I mean, I don't know, I'm thinking of like... I mean, and some of the folks you're investing in, it's like, this is like, like God wants us to care for, for those who are struggling and not because of the payoff from that. And so it's like some, some of this is like, it's not going to be like you care for somebody and then, oh, in a couple of years, they're good. And maybe never. Right. Like, and that's, um, but it's like, well, I mean, I, I think about how much. Jesus invests in us and how slow the, the process is. Well, I don't know about I mean, you and I both in some ways, at least in Tucson, were in churches that were on the wealthier end of things. Yeah. My experience is that when in Isaiah 58, when it talks about burden and oppressed, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's hard. Like, because you know what? You, you, we were talking about this and you had said, this has really impacted my church, and then the next week it impacted my church in a way I hadn't expected. But like the Me Too process yeah. has re—it's re-traumatizing. But even more, the yeah. the abuse of the doctor of all of those yeah. Olympians becomes even more real. And you put that out in the news, and then churches like mine, it less re—it digs into things that people yeah. are trying very hard just to hold on to yeah. sanity in their life, right? And that just shakes it all up, yeah. You know, and so I didn't really, we didn't really deal with those things when I was in other no. churches. So I yeah. guess that's. No, I, I agree. And I'm really grateful for, to be in a church and for there to be a movement where you 
it's not just like, hey, everybody ascends to the doctrine and then we show up on Sunday. It's like where we go all, like, you know, all of life is on the table. And that's absolutely essential to the discipleship piece. I mean, discipleship piece. I mean, discipleship's essential to faith. And that includes everything, right? So I'm, I'm really grateful for that, that that's where we're at. I guess I'm just, I don't know, in the midst of all this, I just wanted to revisit, like, do I de-emphasize the, the specific... Let's ask that question. Let's push aside the church for a second. Just you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a calling to be bringing the gospel to bear in a different way and you've backed away from it? Well, I think, I think that I would say... <clears throat> um, I think that I I love I have a lot of relationships in the community. And and I think that there there's a lot of value just to the like consistency of those and the friendship of them. Um, but I do I do wonder there's probably a certain level of of conviction and calling in my own heart that some of those should move into into deeper spiritual things sometimes um, more often than they do. So would you say that there's a difference between you and Nick in that process? Would you say Nick is more through the front door than you or less through the front door? Um, I think he's more to the point. To the point? He's more pointed about things. Um, I mean, I think I'm I'm engaging with people a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think Nick, if you were to ask him, would be much more, like, just straightforward. Like, here's what, you know, here's, here's what it is, you know. Um, I tend to, I analyze things, so I like to work things out with folks. And sometimes that, I want to work things out with folks, and I want to have those deeper spiritual discussions. I want to have them all the time. I want to have them at home. I want to have them with my friends. But I don't start them because I'm like, they don't want to have it. They don't really want to go there. They just want to talk about the weather or woodwork or whatever. Um, you know, or if if I go there with them, then they're they're going to be like, oh, that was the whole that was his goal in this relationship, and it's like, ah, it's a big, it is something very important to me, but it's not the only reason I want to have these friendships. So yeah, yeah, this like fear of being misunderstood or something like that. So yeah, my, it's my battery computer which is recording us will die any second any second now okay so this is faith over breakfast <laughs> with andy littleton and eric seepen